yesterday I mentioned I can't wait to see the readings because I think our Lord always has something planned in these readings for what we're facing at the current time and I think it's right there it's a mention if if someone sins rebuke them now that's not in self-righteousness it's in an act of mercy and this is what we have to hold the high standard to our politicians now we are facing a critical time tomorrow as you know is voting day um, November the 8th, a Tuesday. And I want to address a question that I haven't really addressed uh, a lot, and that is, is it morally obligate, uh, obligation to vote? Do you have the moral obligation to vote? Now, Catechism 2240 says submission to authority and co-responsibility for the common good make it morally obligatory to pay taxes to defend one's own country and exercise the right to vote. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that with voting right now, because I would like to also clarify one thing I have spoken on in the past, and that is I'm still getting a lot of confusion. And so I don't know if I'm not, perhaps I'm not just explaining this correctly. Uh, Pope Benedict had made clear, and the church magisterium has taught, there are certain moral uh, issues uh, when you vote that are more important than others, not in, well, let me rephrase, that are non-negotiable. That's the term I've been using because that's a term Pope Benedict used. And there's only three of those and all other issues, although they're important, are negotiable. Now, people are taking that to mean that I'm saying unimportant. We are not. We're not saying they're unimportant. Issues, many of them facing us today, immigration, racism, economy, health care, the environment, they're very important. However, they are negotiable in the sense that there's no one right answer. I said the other day, okay, I'm, I'm all for the environment, but do I, do I choose paper or do I choose plastic? It, it, there's a negotiation there. Should we raise the minimum wage to help the worker or not raise it to help the business owner? What's going to help the economy more? Helping the consumer or helping the employer? It, it, there's no one right obligation to follow. The church doesn't teach you have to raise the minimum wage, and it doesn't teach that you can't. It, it's negotiable, but there are three issues in voting that are non-negotiable. To, con to be contrary to them is never acceptable under any circumstance. You've heard me say these before. The dignity of human life, not just abortion, that's preeminent, but euthanasia, embryonic stem cell research, these are the issues that are preeminent. Abortion is preeminent. And the others are the sanctity of human marriage defined between a man and a woman and the preservation of religious liberty. Without religious liberty, we can't even worship. And so these are not negotiable, meaning how to solve it. There is no, there is no room to say, well, it's sometimes allowed. Marriage can sometimes not be between a man and a woman. Uh, abortion can sometimes be allowed. Religious liberty can sometimes be taken away. Never. Never on all three of those. So I want to try to clarify this. So Pope Benedict said the, the non-negotiables 
these are what they are, uh, does not make us single-issue voters. I got quite a few scathing letters on that. One, one on YouTube comment said, Father, I'm so sick and tired of you telling us to be a single-issue voter. Not. We're not single-issue voters, but there is the issue of abortion that's preeminent. All right, what do we mean by that? All right, we're not single-issue voters, but these are of the most extreme importance and not open for discussion. All right, yes, we don't vote on one issue, but there's some issues that should disqualify you from office. Okay, if somebody came up and said, I'm a member of the KKK, and I'm a neo-Nazi, but everything else, they were in favor of the environment, they were good on the economy, they were pro-health care, they, they, they handled all the other issues. Do you think they're worthy for office? If somebody says, I'm a member of the KKK and I'm a neo-Nazi, but boy, I'm going to clean up the environment, I'm going to take care of immigration, I'm going to eliminate all problems in health care, do you think they're worthy for office? Of course they're not. So although we're not technically single-issue voters, there's some issues that should disqualify you. And if a candidate said, I want to kill all the Jews, so if a candidate comes to office and says, I'm running on the platform again, I'm going to clean up the environment, I'm going to make our schools, I'm going to teach good things in schools, I'm going to show public schools how to get better, but I want to kill all Jews. Would you tell them that you can't be a single-item voter? In that case, yes, you are. You have to be. Nobody would say, let's vote him in because he's going to kill all Jews. So in that sense, yeah, that's the importance. So too, anyone who favors the killing of innocent humans is unfit to hold any public office. It's the exact same way. So non-negotiables they involve intrinsic evils which can never be justified in any way. Nobody would say, well, you can kill Jews some of the time. Or that you can be a member of the Ku Klux Klan just on Tuesdays. Nobody would say that. Now, the church has issued a document called the Moral Duty of Voting. And I'd like to share this with you. All right, now what it says is how a candidate stands with respect to the non-negotiables determines their worthiness, not their appearance, not if, if you don't like their attitude, but their position on the non-negotiables. If there is a viable option for a political candidate meaning one who supports one or more of those non-negotiables, you have a moral obligation to vote. In your district, and for the presidency, which isn't up this time, but if you have a candidate that is in favor of the dignity of human life, the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman, and preserving religious liberty, even one of those, you have a moral obligation to vote. Now, if the only two candidates don't support any of that, then there's debate, but most theologians have said then you, you wouldn't have the moral obligation to vote. But when you look at the number of candidates on our voting ballots, you need to do our homework, because I can guarantee you some of those candidates, at least one, supports at least one of the non-negotiables. So here's what it says in the moral duty of voting. 
This is right from the church document. Personal moral character is not unimportant, but it is the stated commitment to public policy in keeping with the common good of the non-negotiables, which is most significant. Dignity of human life, sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman, and preservation of religious liberty. Now, even if the person's motives are not pure, maybe they, they, they drink or something like that, and that's not good, all right? God will address that. The most important is their voting record. This is according to the church. This is the most important thing. But what if all the candidates are unworthy? You choose the one that is in most support of the non-negotiables. Again, not talking which party. This is the moral issue of the times. Now, the church teaches first you vote on the non-negotiables and only then, if there is no choice, you then evaluate their views on the other issues. That's why I think everybody should vote. Because even if there's not a candidate that supports, supports one of those non-negotiables, you then go to the other issues. So let's suppose candidate A and B, they're all against the non-negotiables. You then look to the other ones. Then you go to the environment and health care and the economy. All right. So we are not voting. Remember, the church says this. We're not voting to canonize these candidates. That's not the point. But to give them temporary power to do the will of God. Protect human life, uphold the sanctity of marriage of man and a woman, and the preservation of religious liberty. Now, in seminary, I'm going to take you back to seminary, and this is, I had four courses in moral theology. Four courses. And it was my favorite series of courses. Because the moral theology course series taught you how to live. And there's something in Catholic moral theology called formal cooperation with evil and material cooperation with evil. Let me give you an example. A formal cooperation with evil would be directly doing an abortion or driving your daughter to the abortion clinic to have the abortion or paying for it. Um, or murdering somebody, your direct involvement. That's formal cooperation with evil. Now, what about remote or material cooperation with evil? Not as bad. That would be, for instance, like shopping at Walmart and then finding out Walmart donates to Planned Parenthood. Maybe you're the only store you have to feed your family and the only store is this particular grocery store and it's the only place you can get groceries and you're not shopping there to support their support of Planned Parenthood, but you need groceries. The church teaches that's remote or material cooperation with evil. It may not necessarily be sinful. You're not intending to do it. You are caught kind of in a circumstance. You know, it's kind of like I'm flying and, and I haven't eaten all day and there's a fast food restaurant and I eat at that fast food restaurant and then I find out later um, 
you know, they, they donated to a pro-abortion cause. I, that wasn't my intent of eating there. Now, if I decide to, to go to a fundraiser for that restaurant that has bake sale and the money is to go towards abortions, then now I'm formally cooperating in evil. You see the difference? So material or remote cooperation, not as bad. You're not intending it. Formal cooperation, you're right in there. Now listen to what Ratzinger says. Cardinal Ratzinger, quote, a Catholic would be guilty of formal cooperation in evil, meaning the bad kind, the real bad kind, if they deliberately vote for a candidate because of the candidate's permissive stand on abortion or euthanasia. But votes for that candidate for other reasons can be considered just remote material cooperation, not as bad, which can be permitted in the presence of proportionate reasons. All right, so what does all that mean? All right. The guide that I'm using here is the moral duty of voting by the Catholic Church, and it defines proportionate reason. Guess what it is? Not your feelings. Well, I, 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 in good conscience, I just don't like the way this candidate looks. That's not a proportionate reason. Listen to this. A proportionate, proportionate reason cannot be found in comparing non-negotiables with negotiables. You can't. You can't do that. You can't say, yeah, I know they're pro-life and they defend marriage, but I really don't like they are a racist or, or they're, 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 they're hurting health care or they're not worried about the economy. You can't put these issues in proportionate reason above these issues. Okay? It doesn't mean these issues aren't important. They are. But how to fix them is negotiable. These, there's no time when you can allow these non-negotiables. You can't allow redefining a marriage, you can't allow murder in the womb uh, or a euthanasia, and you cannot strip religious liberty. Now, here's what's interesting. Only comparing two candidates regarding non-negotiables establishes a proportionate reason. So this statement by Pope Benedict is not a license to vote simply how you want or just how you feel. The USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, has stated that abortion is the preeminent issue even among the non-negotiables. But pro-life, people will say, means all life. I get this all the time. Father, what about war? This candidate's a warmonger, or capital punishment. They're, they're, they're in favor of capital punishment. Actually, the catechism, I know there's been some change on the capital punishment recently, but the catechism says self-defense is allowed. All right? The USCCB says abortion is preeminent because it can never be allowed. And look at the sheer number of lives taken. Did you know this? that twice as many lives die every day from abortion than in 9-11. Twice as many. Twice as many people die every day from abortion in this country than 9-11.
And you know how many died last year by capital punishment in 2021? 11. So the church is saying here, okay, we have to look at this proportionately. Yes, 11 died by capital punishment, but almost a million died in one year from abortion. You have to see the magnitude here. All right, so this is what the church teaches. All of these single issues, health care, environment, economy, immigration, all of these single issues depend on the most fundamental human right, the right to life, even racism. Everybody has a right to live. Everybody. Abortion, yes, it's a religious issue, but it's not merely a religious issue, human rights issue. All right, we are obligated to inform our conscience so that you can vote. Now, here's where I want to finish. We are obligated to inform our conscience and then follow it, not just your feelings. You are obligated to inform yourself of the truth, and then you have to follow it. Thomas Aquinas says we have to follow our conscience or we can be condemned. That's pretty strong. All right. What is conscience? What does it mean? I just can't follow my conscience in voting for this candidate. No, you need to ask that person. Are you mean your feelings or your conscience? They're different. Conscience is not the same as your opinions or your feelings. Conscience is the activity of your intellect judging actions as right or wrong. Feelings is just an emotion, opinions. And Thomas Aquinas says they're lower and they need to be governed by the conscience. Alone, feelings don't matter. Your conscience, which tells you right from wrong, is what matters. Now, I don't feel maybe necessarily like driving two hours um, to, you know, to, to go help somebody move. But if they called me and said, Father Chris, I really need your help, and you're the only one that can help me right now, it's too late, I can't find anybody else, and you got a truck, okay, I don't feel like going, but it's the right thing to do. I'm going to help my neighbor. My conscience tells me it's the right thing to do regardless of my feelings. So when people say in conscience, I can't vote for that candidate, even though they are pro-life, they are defending marriage, and they are about religious liberty, I, in my conscience, I can't vote for them. No, then your conscience is not informed. You're going on feelings. Your conscience says what is right or wrong. And the church says you are morally obligated to inform your conscience about these issues. And that's what I'm doing for you now. My obligation is to teach you the moral issues, up to you what you do with it. But we strongly recommend, please follow the church teaching. All right, so to finish, the conscience is the voice of truth, not your feelings. Your opinions need to be in harmony with the truth. I can't have opinion contrary to the truth. My opinion can't be, well, you know, in my opinion, I'm going to vote for this guy, even though the truth of the matter is he stands for everything that's wrong. Conscience only works when we inform it, when we learn the moral truth. As a Catholic, how do you do that? The magisterium. 
That's why it's so beautiful to be Catholic. The church gives us the catechism. It tells us what the moral issues are and why they are based on scripture. We Marians, you won't hear us. We don't support a political party or a particular candidate. We can't by the rules of the church. Our party's Jesus Christ. That's our party. But we must form consciences. That's our job. You know, you do not have to vote for a person because he is pro-life. That's a misconception. You do not have to vote for a person for he, because he is pro-life, but you may not vote for a candidate who supports abortion. Notice the difference there? You cannot support a candidate who supports abortion. All right, voting for a pro-abortion candidate can be a mortal sin. Voting for a pro-abortion candidate can be a mortal sin. You have to inform your conscience. So what does the church say? What not to vote on? Do not vote on party affiliation lines. If you have one candidate that supports non-negotiables and he's not in your party, but the other one who doesn't support them is in your party, you gotta switch. Don't vote on appearance. Remember David? When he went in and he says, is this all you got? And David walked in the room and it's like, the heck? We don't vote on appearance. Next, you don't vote for somebody just because they say they are Catholic. Just because they say they're Catholic. Next, you don't vote on your own interests or opinions. And fifth, you don't vote for those candidates that support the lesser issues, but don't support the non-negotiables. So remember, we are Catholics first, Americans second, and Democrats and Republicans a distant third. People think that this church stance on abortion is relatively new. Uh-uh. The first century letter of St. Barnabas states, quote, this is the first century, first century, uh, Barnabas. You shall not slay the child by procuring abortion, nor again shall you destroy it after it is born. Paragraph 19. And I think really the best place to finish is the Gospels or the uh, Scriptures, Deuteronomy 30, 19. I place before you life or death. I place before you blessing or curse. Choose life. You know, tonight there will be a blood moon. Two minutes after midnight, the earth, the sun, and the moon, or the earth, the moon, and the sun will be aligned. And the shadow cast from the sun to the earth will then cast a shadow on the moon. And they call it a blood moon because the color is a reddish blood color that will be placed onto the moon from the shadow of the Earth's atmosphere. What an unbelievable time to recognize the sign. And when you hear St. Faustina's reading today that Brother Paul's gonna do, it says, look at the moon. 
I think today might be a time to look at the moon because two minutes after midnight, it's going to turn red, blood red. Let us factor our Christian faith, our Catholic faith, into our votes. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.